New Year's resolutions was to cook more for my family. I love to cook, uh, but oftentimes, as I tell Beth, my day mushrooms. You know, in ministry, if if people go to the hospital or, or people need me unexpectedly, uh, I, I tend to do those things. And so I determined that I would, I would go to the store early in the morning and, and prepare supper uh, for our family. And uh, so far, so good. I've been doing that pretty well. Uh, and even if I don't get to eat with them, I have it ready for them. Now, it's a little challenge for them because uh, my, my kids like to know what we're eating. So they'll ask me, what, what's for dinner? And I'll say, I, I don't know. I, I, not that I'm not fixing something, but I'm one of those people that are very spontaneous, very impulsive, you know. I don't like planning out a week of menus. I like to get up in the morning and say, you know, maybe I'll make this today. And even more, I'm not the type to follow a recipe. Uh, I mean, I'll look at a recipe, and I've, I've cooked for long enough that I kind of know what goes together. And so I, I don't even use a recipe. I'll, I'll just throw stuff together and see what comes out. So they ask me what's for dinner, and I don't know what to tell them because I haven't made up a name for whatever I'm making yet, right? So sometimes I do that, and it is a spectacular success. But then it's a problem because they want the recipe, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the recipe is. I don't, I don't remember. I just threw a bunch of stuff together. Sometimes, though, it's a bomb. Sometimes it's something that doesn't come back in the rotation. I try to remember that it was that bad. A lot of times, <laughs> my taste buds remember very well. So as I do that, I, I also am one of those that, that doesn't do what professional cooks do. They, there's a French term called mise en place where you, you prepare all of your ingredients and put them in little ramekins, containers, and, and so they're all ready when it's time to, to be tossed into the pool. And, you know, I don't do that. I, I often, and because I'm uh, impatient and pressed for time, I, I'll do about three things at once, right? And so it, sometimes it gets in just in time. Well, yesterday I was making fish tacos and uh, I was sauteing tilapia at the same time I was stirring the Spanish rice. And uh, Josh is not supposed to come in the kitchen. Uh, if you've been around Josh, you know he asks a million questions. And they're like at a high decibel level and one after one. And I'm in, I'm in this stressful situation. He's in there. Blah, 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 blah. I feel like I'm in a torture chamber. <laughs> right? But I actually got it together. And at least me and Beth liked it. I don't know what the other kids, they were, they were kind of, uh, you know, so-so. But that's the way I cook. That's, that's the way I use ingredients. That's the way I put it together. Do you know, I, I think the passage we've come to today, Romans 12, 9 through 16, is a recipe. It looks like a bunch of unconnected commands. You know, kind of like staccato notes that are just a bunch of, of imperatives that have no connection. But I really think this passage, Romans 12, 9 through 16, rivals... 1 Corinthians 13 as a great description of how we're supposed to love others. Back when I was a kid, there was a, a song that was very popular, What the World Needs Now is Love. It's sung, popularized by Dionne Warwick, uh, written by Burt Bacharach. It, it was a, a song that was very popular. And, and I think all of us would agree with that statement, but I also would say, I think we need to find what we mean by love. If it's a gooey feeling, if it's romantic love, I'm not so sure that's what the world needs most. What the world needs most 
is agape love. And Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek. There are four different words for love. The important thing for you to know is the word agape means the unconditional love that God has for us. The New Testament tells us that God is love. And when it tells us to love others, almost always the word in Greek is agape. To love others like God loves us. And we're told that, and I think we can get some idea of what it means. Unconditional means that it doesn't depend on how people treat us. If we're going to love, we're going to love them in spite of, or not thinking about the conditions. We're going to love them just because. And it tells us to do that in Scripture, but I think we need some help defining that. So if you buy my premise that this passage is a recipe for agape love, then I've structured it where I, I pull out 12 ingredients in the recipe for agape love, how we should be loving the people around us. Now, I wanted to do a, a couple things, or three things, actually, as I'm talking through these ingredients. First, I want you to see the, the ingredients where you're strong at. And, and I, I want you to continue to employ those, even employ those to a greater degree, to use those, to, to love people in that way. But you'll also maybe see an ingredient or two Oh, hopefully not too many that you're not so good at. I want you to allow, ask God to allow you, to teach you, to by faith grow you in how to, to love like that. And then I think probably as I'm talking, there may be people come to mind. As we go through this time together, allow God to speak to you in how to, to better love those people this week. So let's look at it together. Twelve ingredients in Paul's recipe for agape love. First, agape love must be sincere. It must be sincere. The first part of verse 9 says love must be sincere. Now, the root of that and the meaning of that word is genuine. It's the opposite of hypocrisy or hypocritical. Hypocrisy is actually a a word we got in English from the Greek word. That means behind the mask. And I'm telling you, you can act like you love people. You can put on a show, but it will not be lasting. It will not be ultimately effective. What he's saying is this agape must be, it must come from within you. In other words, you you must allow God to, to change you through his love to you. Then you reflect that back to others. Then, then you, uh, use God's love for you to, to love others like that unconditionally. Love must be sincere, genuine. Secondly, I think verse, the second part of verse 9 says love must be discerning. It must be discerning. What do I mean by that? Hate what is evil, the verse says. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. You see, I, I think love in this sense, uh, thinking about the things that are important to us, the things that we do, the things that we experience, that's that's what I'm talking about here, because as we experience different uh, things, as we, we look at different things, as we hear different things, it affects, I think, our love life. By that I mean, it affects our ability, our attitude in loving others. 
I, I think we need to constantly ask God's Spirit to, to help us only experience, only be having good things come into our ears, only have good things that we watch with our eyes. See, in our world today, uh, we live in a world and a culture where those things which are evil are often glorified. Where they once were, were shunned, at least culturally. We live in a world where it, it seems as if uh, things that are fleshly, that are worldly, are held up as, as things we should strive for instead of things we should run away from. I, I think we should strive to to love what is godly and to, to turn away from those things that are evil, those things that are worldly. Love must be discerning because as we experience, as we take in, I think also we then can give out. I, the way I would translate the second part of this is glue yourself to what is good, right? You ever had any super glue and, and tried to glue something together? You get it together and it's hard to get apart right? To glue ourselves, to, to seek out, to, to discern those things that are eternally true and godly and surround ourselves, immerse ourselves in those things. I, I think it's what he's talking about there. Third ingredient, we must display tender affection. Agape love, uh, we display tender affection. Be devoted to one another in love. The word there that uh, we're talking about is Philadelphia. Philadelphos. It, what is Philadelphia? It's a city in Pennsylvania that's submerged in snow this weekend. Well, what does Philadelphia mean? It means, what do we call the city? City of brotherly love. That's the kind of understanding. Philos, the Greek word, means a, a family type, a brotherly type love, a friend type love. And Delphos is brother. <clears throat> that's where we get that nickname. Uh, but in particular, I think it's talking about our relationships with other Christians here. When it says one another, it's often talking about the relationship we have with other Christians. So how we interact with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And what does it say? Be devoted to one another in love. Be, be kind and care. Be, be loving of those in the church. Uh, fourth, agape love must honor others. It must honor others. This is the second part of verse 10. Honor one another above yourselves. What that means is to weight others above yourselves, to esteem others above yourselves. Kind of the same root as what we commonly call the golden rule, that you treat others like you'd want to be treated. Similarly, you, you honor, you esteem others. You put them before yourselves. You, you hold them up. Who doesn't like to feel special? Who doesn't like to feel like they're important? What he's telling us is, as we learn to love like God does, as we learn to love like Jesus, that, that we'll bring that to others. We'll, we'll esteem them. We'll make them feel special as we love them unconditionally. Fifth, uh, agape love must be enthusiastic. It must be enthusiastic. Uh, verse 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. <clears throat> I'll tell you, uh, zeal is a, a word that often carries a pejorative meaning, a negative meaning to us today. Uh, for after all, who wants to be zealous? Who wants to be a zealot? See, we've attached negativity to that term. But here he says, 
They'll be lacking in zeal. What he's saying is, I think, he's saying that if you have the love of God in your life, if you're loving like Jesus loved, then everybody will know it. You, you can't contain it. It's, it's contagious. It flows out of you. You go to sporting events, there's always that fan or those fans, right? Those fans that you <laughs> that have are dressed up crazy and everybody, and then they yell at all the other fans because they're not yelling loud enough, right? They're enthusiastic. They're zealous for their team. Listen, we, are, we were never meant to be stealth Christians. Right here we are, close to Whiteman Air Force Base. Many of you work there or have worked there. Home to the B-2 bomber, the stealth bomber. Amazing technology created to, as, as much as possible, help that bomber avoid detection by radar. And incredible technology that it could slip over enemy territory without being noticed, without being recognized. <laughs> but God does not want us to be stealth Christians. He wants to be clear who we're for and whose we are. You know, I, I think of this verse, I think of the saying, <clears throat> chin up, knees down. Chin up, knees down. What's that mean? It means always have an optimistic attitude. Always be dedicated to, to going forward while at the same time be praying. That brings us to the sixth ingredient. We must be patient. Agape love must be patient. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Chin up, knees down. Be joyful. Now, patience is not something that comes naturally to me. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm very impatient. But through the years, as I've learned to, to let God work through me and work on me, as I've learned to, to constantly ask for him in prayer to grow my patience, I, I think I've grown a lot in that. Still got a long way to go. But it is a, it's an outgrowth of love. It's a display of love when someone else might react, someone else might get angry at some wrong that's done, but you instead are patient. You patiently love somebody through whatever that, that aggravation is. Patience is a mark of agape love. Seventh, uh, agape love must be generous, it must be generous. The first part of verse 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Now, some people have, as I talked about last week, the spiritual gift of generosity. And the Spirit gives them that, that and, and empowers them, innervates them to be generous when somebody has a need, both in financial resources, but also with their time, with their care and their concern. But what this says to us is, is we're not excused if we don't have the spiritual gift. Uh, even if we don't have the spiritual gift of generosity, then when we see a need, when we have the resources we can contribute, we can give, as the Holy Spirit leads us, then, then we contribute to those. And we help those in need with what we have. Eighth, agape love must seek hospitality. It must seek hospitality. Now, there's also a spiritual gift of hospitality. Some people are naturally 
they, somebody drops by or, or somebody needs a place to stay, come on in. And not only that, they, they serve and take care of their guests in a way that makes them feel esteemed, special, combining two of the ingredients. Uh, but even if we don't have the spiritual gift, we need to seek hospitality. And I think we need to seek it because you know what this word means in Greek? It's philozenia. Philozenia. You say, bless you. Philozenia. Philos, I've already told you, that's brotherly love. Xenia is not a flower. Xenia means stranger. So what this is saying is hospitality is loving strangers. It's helping others to feel at home even if we don't know them very well. Now, that goes against what we tell our kids, right, growing up. Don't talk to strangers. That's what this word means. Hospitality is loving strangers. And you see, again, the root of agape in it. Uh, Agape is unconditional love. In other words, it doesn't matter if you've known these people forever. You, You love because God first loved us. You love like Jesus did. You know, as I look at the life of Jesus, I don't think he ever met a stranger. I don't get that sense. Do you? And so it is that he wants us, his followers, his disciples to be. He wants us to be hospitable. Ninth, agape love must be forgiving. It must be forgiving. Now, I talked a lot about forgiveness in the series True Forgiveness back in the fall. If you want any of those sermons You can let us know. We'll make copies for you. Uh, But just briefly, let me say, as we read verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That is, you love even people that have hurt you. I don't think you can do that without forgiveness. Uh, Forgiveness does not mean that you stay in a relationship that's abusive. It does not necessarily mean as you forgive somebody, you reconcile, you it does not mean you, you come back like nothing ever happened. Oftentimes, the relationship is changed. But what it does mean is, as you forgive those who persecute you, as you, you bless them, what it does mean is that you allow God, you ask God, and he takes away that bitterness, that anger, that resentment that you hold against that person, that, that weighs you down. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize that prisoner was you. It is a mark of agape love when we are able to move past those hurts. It's when we're able to forgive those who have hurt us and even ask for God to bless them. That's unconditional love. Tenth, agape love must be empathetic. It must be empathetic. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, verse 15 says. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. That's what the family of God should be. As we go through good things, we can share the joy. Our joys are doubled. As we go through negative experiences, our griefs are halved. You know, it's a great privilege of mine uh, to be in the hospitals when a baby is born. To be, at the fish, to be at a wedding of two people coming together in marriage. It also is a, a blessing to be with people as they face the end in the hospital or to be in the funeral home. 
But that's Christian koinonia. That's being the family of God. That's sharing life together. That's what agape does. We come alongside each other. We feel for each other. Eleventh, the agape love must be harmonious. The idea here is a symphony. As different instruments come together and they play their parts, they do their thing, they all come together in unity in one glorious sound, ideally. I will tell you, it's such a blessing to be at Northside where we are so diverse. (laughs) There's lots of different folks here, different backgrounds, different interests. You know, as I, I look out in the lobby every Sunday between services and around the Connection Center, there are all kinds of people talking about all kinds of different things. That is cool. It also could lead to division and strife if we don't allow God, his love, to, to bring us together in unity and harmony, even when we're so diverse. We could very easily be divergent instead of coming together with God bringing us together through his love. Last but not least, the last ingredient in God's recipe is we must be humble. We must be humble. Verse 16, the second part says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. What you understand when it says conceited is do not be wise in your own thinking. I will tell you a challenge you will have as you spend more and more time as a Christian as you spend more and more time as a church, as you can start thinking, you maybe don't think it out loud, but you think, you know, I'm better than those people because I'm doing the things God wants me to do. Jesus wasn't like that at all, was he? In fact, he got a lot of criticism because he spent time with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, those people that were considered low class, in their society. So I tell you that agape love has no socioeconomic qualifications. It has no racial qualifications. It has no gender qualifications. All of us are united in this, that we are all human. And none of us are better than another. So which ingredient comes naturally to your strongest end. Keep loving like that. Which ingredient needs some work? Ask God this week to help you grow in that characteristic, that attribute, that ingredient. And, and what people came to mind. See, I have no doubt that you've got people that you can share the love of God with And not only will they be bettered, but you will be transformed. That process of loving others like God does, does something in us as well as helps them. It's my encouragement to you to seek growth in this area this week. Some years ago, there was a movie called Marvin's Room. I I told the worship team this before the service, the first service, and they were like, Marvin, what movie is that? You know, sometimes I feel old. But it actually featured Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep. You've heard of them, right? Meryl, uh, Diane Keaton played Bessie, and uh, Meryl Streep played Lee, her sister. 
who had grown apart. They were estranged. Bessie dedicated her life, the 20 years of her life, to taking care of her ailing father and his sister, her aunt. Took care of their needs. Well, toward the end of the movie, in a kind of powerful scene, Bessie finds out she has leukemia herself. And her sister comes to visit after many years of absence and tension. And Bessie says to her sister, I'm so lucky to have so much love in my life. And Lee, her sister, hears that and she says, of course, dad and aunt, they love you very much. And that's not what Bessie meant at all. What she meant was she was so lucky to have so much love to give to her family, to give to others in her life. Lucky to love. What I want you to hear in that is that all of us consciously can make a choice. We do not have to be all about us, all about self, all about making ourselves happy. We can choose to love like God loves us. We can choose to put others first and to, to cherish them and give to them and, and forgive them and be empathetic with them. We can choose that. You can choose to be like Jesus in your marriage, in your workplace, with your children, with your parents, with your siblings. <clears throat> you know, Bishop was called to a church. Bishops travel around to the different churches. This church had a problem. They were always fighting. And the problem, it seemed, was really instigated by one person. This man was impossible to please. He was grouchy. He was irritable. And so the people came and they said, this guy, whatever we try to do, we, we try to love him. And whatever we do, he, it's not enough. He doesn't like it. How, what are we supposed to do with him? And the bishop said to them this very wise word. He said, increase the dosage. Increase the dosage of love. How much love is enough? If you go to a doctor and you've got a medical problem, oftentimes they'll give you a prescription. If that prescription doesn't work, if it's not counterproductive to give you more, they'll increase the dosage to take care of the problem. I will say to you, it is God's plan A that his people would love each other like he loves and then the church would make a revolutionary difference wherever it goes. <laughs> That's his plan. Increase the dosage. Fathers, we think about these things today. I pray that each of us have learned, but even more, we've been challenged. We've learned how to love like you love. We've been challenged to put that into practice. I pray as we leave here, we will not forget what you've taught us. This week, we'll put it into practice. That with that problematic relationship, we would increase the dosage. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. If you have a decision to make, a decision to become a Christian, we'd love to help you with that. Maybe to join our church formally, we'd love to help you with that. But I think the application of the ministry time is obvious.
How are we loving? Are we, do we love like God? Do we truly, unconditionally love others? Let's stand together and sing.